0: back. It's episode 79 this week. i um, joined by Eleanor Young, who you might know better um, as Fun Makes Good. As we talk about, she's worked on a whole different range of, of stuff from starting out doing uh, upcycling of furniture um, and making products to collaborations and um, getting more into doing full interior work. Um, we talk about a project she did down in Sheffield at a hospital um, sort of transforming this space for parents and children in the hospital um, which is amazing sort of end to end design process and um, the different factors that build up to make that really successful um, and the outcomes is beautiful, Um, it's really worth checking out the link to that is in the show notes on our website Um, yeah And I think, I mean, we talk about the the sort of range of different stuff that Eleanor does and I think um, it's more and more the case, um, it was last week with Louise um, and a lot of other people that we had in the podcast that designers and creatives tend to do a whole plethora of different projects and start to learn different skills and move into different areas through collaboration, through um, just developing their own practice, I suppose, Um, and it's it's a great way to explore um, initially through side projects and things like that, but then potentially moving that into um, monetizing it and actually making it a revenue stream. Um, um, yeah, so it's it's a really interesting way of working, um, and it's something that's more and more common. I think the more people I speak to, um, yeah, that's, that there sort of people are diversifying and looking at a whole range of ways of making money, not just looking at one avenue. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's unusual. I don't really have a preamble ramble. <laughs> that, not an intentional rhyme, but we'll go with it. Yeah, so the only thing unless this to say is if you don't follow already, maybe you're new to the podcast, um, it's at ccc.d on Twitter and on Instagram, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cccdundee. And yeah, we're on Spotify, on iTunes, on all good podcasts and platforms. And you can even ask your... Fancy speaker things, your Alexas, your Siris, your uh, Home Assistants, Google's ones. Um, Yeah, you can ask for creative chit chat and it'll give you it. How good is that? But yeah, let's get into this episode. So it's number 79 and this is with Eleanor Young.
1: Um, Well, I suppose it's slightly interesting. I'm celebrating, I'll be having done 10 years of Fun Makes Good this year. So for me that's quite a big milestone and in a way it's come round quite quickly um, and I think it's at a point where there's a lot of sort of changes in my life, having just become a mum and you know I'm sort of thinking what I'm going to do next and it's it's quite a nice time to reflect on where I've come from and what I've done and what I hope to do, to do next. So I graduated in 2007, um, Glasgow School of Art studying textile design and I sort of in the back of my mind I always wanted to do something for myself but I think you know fresh out of art school you don't really know how that's going to come about or what you're going to what you're going to do or how you're going to get to that point Um so I did the sort of usual route of um, we did new designers so we went down um, and exhibited our stuff as a class and I think you have these aspirations that you know it's going to be amazing and somebody's going to snap you up and that's going to be it but of course it doesn't always happen like that and it didn't Um, and sort of nothing really came about of it Um, and so I came back to Glasgow and then I did actually get an invite to come do an internship in London for um, sort of a graphic design slash branding agency so nothing to do with textiles at all um, which sort of came as a surprise but as I had nothing else sort of on my plate, I sort of thought, well, actually, it's quite an exciting opportunity. Let's go down and see what it's all about. So it was for a small um, studio where they um, sort of designed products for sort of the licensing industry based on children's television programs. So completely different from what I was doing. And I still don't really know to this day why they'd sort of picked me and asked me if I'd want to come and do an internship. But I really enjoyed the kind of environment and doing something completely different like that and um, I learned a lot of sort of computer skills and a lot of things like illustrator and stuff which I hadn't really done you know in my degree at all so completely unrelated to what I was doing and I didn't see myself continuing with that but I think it was a good place to place to start and get a little taste of um, sort of the outside world and working for a small agency and stuff Um, and also gave me like you know chance to be in London and sort of think you know is this somewhere where I want to be? Um, I enjoyed it, but I didn't. So I decided to come back to Glasgow. And after that, um, I just was like, "Well, I want to continue building on what I did it in my degree show." And um, so, what what was that? Oh, that sorry. It? Um, so it was interior textiles, um, specialised in embroidery. But in my final year, I also took upholstery evening classes because um, I was really interested in. I found it very difficult to kind of show the end product or the end use of a bit of fabric without there being something real there and I think for me um, it made more sense to kind of show it on something real and for me to understand how the fabrics would work I needed to get some hands-on experience so I enrolled in evening classes at the Glasgow uh, Metropolitan College and um, so I could in tandem to my final year work I could produce fabrics and then upholster them onto furniture and I really enjoyed that that process it kind of gave me an understanding of how fabrics would work in the three dimensions and I just sort of fell in love with the whole sort of upcycling and that kind of thing so I had this little small small portfolio of work and I wanted to continue doing that so once I came back to Glasgow I pretty much just got a part-time job and just continued to kind of build on my own sort of work. Um, and from there I just started like approaching sort of independent retailers and things. Um, I think sort of being quite brazen as you do and you sort of come out and just say, look, this is my stuff. I think you should have it in your shop. And um, do you think
0: that so, cause I often feel that that's a really good quality to have like this sort of a brazen attitude And just the ability to just go and speak to people and say, I have this thing, Mm -hmm. I've got confidence in it, will you? Yeah. Um, And do you think, you have you always had that attitude or is that something you've had to develop over time? I
1: think something I've had to develop, but interestingly, I think it sort of appears and disappears. Like at the moment, um, it's something I know I need to do again and approach people, but there's always a bit of a sort of nervousness about it. So I think you have to sort of, yourself a little bit of a, a check and say no actually you know it's totally worthy it's totally worthwhile people will like this um and if you believe in it and you've you've picked the right sort of space then they will sort of you know it ties into their products and their ethos and it should it should work for them and their customers so um at the time there were some places like i don't know if you were um, remember shake Camille. it was um so camille was this sort of amazing woman who had many fingers and many pies and she did all sorts of different entrepreneurial things but she had this amazing space above um, one of the arcades in Glasgow and it was a big sort of warehousey space but she had um, uh, furniture makers, uh, textile designers, uh, fashion um, and... There was a space at the back where people were making sort of denim label, and there was people doing like fashion things. And she'd commission people and kind of put people together. And it was also a sort of retail sort of space, but she'd have events and things. So um, I approached her, and as I say, I'd sort of built this collection of sort of furniture pieces, which I'd just sort of got out of bins or out of skips, you know, and recycled and upcycled, and kind of did the upholstery and things for. So I used that as a space to kind of my work and show it and she had this sort of great client base that she sort of attracted so I actually got my first commission um, for some uh, upholstery for some dining chairs for one of her clients from there and that gave me like such a massive boost of confidence to think oh okay actually there is a market for this and there are you know there are people that appreciate sort of one-off unique things and I think what was great was they totally got it immediately. They sort of said, oh, okay, we've got these, you know, unusual chairs. Hey, maybe you could design something for these. Um, Which was great, because that was exactly what I wanted to do. But, you know, when you're just doing stuff on your own in your flat, you have no (laughs) idea how you're going to sort of reach these people. Um, So I did a bit of that. And then sort of around about um, 2009, 10, um, myself and um, some other friends from art school decided that we were going to apply for... 100% design and um, again I think it's quite funny looking back at the way you do these things and this sort of idea that yeah you're going to go down, you're going to show your work, people are going to love it, they're going to get it, it's going to be great and then that's going to be your career trajectory. But um, So myself and um, my boyfriend at the time Hamish, he's a product designer and we decided to share share the cost of a stand, basically, just to split the cost. And we sort of came up with a um, we were going to be called B&Y Design for his surname Big and my surname Young. And we sort of showed our work collectively when we didn't actually design any products together, but we sort of um, put our, our pieces together because they sort of complemented each other Um and we went down and it was it was great to have the experience of sort of going to a show like that and kind of the the level of work you have to put in prior to going, you know, in terms of getting all your sort of um website and all that kind of sort of stuff around it. Um and we exhibited and and I think again, and I, I know lots of people face this, you, you get a lot of interest, um, but I think there's no real great support on what you do next. Like you get a lot of interest, but it's very hard to then sort of figure out how to take it forward. Um, so for him, she was doing um, lighting and product design and things. That you know, for him to actually manufacture things was just you know there was a, a stopping point unless people would actually sort of pay to have it manufactured. That that we couldn't really take it forward. Um, and for me I had some furniture and some cushions and I was just like oh yeah yeah some shops are gonna you buy it and then they'll commission me but you know it, it didn't happen like that again um, but it was a great learning experience but from that what I would say is we got quite a good, a good bit of press and I think just you know the power of the internet and stuff like images sort of got pushed around and so my work sort of spread out a little bit more from there um, and then I um, got commissioned shortly after that um, to do uh, upholstery for um, a restaurant in London Um I'm also at this stage working part-time as well so I graduated, took a part-time job and I've just been sort of doing my own work on the side and um, yeah it was really really exciting. Somebody sort of popped up in my emails, architect saying and um, we've seen your work. It was, I had done, um, a Chesterfield sofa for a friend, um, where the Chesterfield had been ripped in places. And so I sort of worked a design around taking out the sort of damaged sections and then intersecting new panels of leather. So it was really sort of geometric and sort of free-flowing, but had this sort of really nice antique feel with a bit of sort of sharp contrast with sort of graphic sort of sections come in. So they'd seen this, again, I think it was sort of brazen attitude. I'd sort of contacted blogs and sort of said, hey, this is my work you know, please feature it. So I'd had a bit of stuff banded around the internet like that. So I think they'd they'd come across it that way. Um, And in my sort of naivety, I just sort of said, yeah, absolutely, I'll I'll give it a go, having no experience (laughs) doing anything like that. But... I think sometimes you've just got to, haven't
0: you? Yeah, as long as you've got, I think we've talked about this with quite a few people on the podcast about this, pushing yourself outside that comfort zone, but Mm. not pushing yourself too far where you're completely out of your depth. Yeah. Um, And it's having the confidence in your own skills and the ability to learn new skills um, to a point in which you think, okay, I've never done anything like that, but I kind of know what I would do or how I would learn to do what I need to.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, it obviously totally depends on the client and the person who gets in touch with you and i think you need to gauge that yourself at which stage do you you know confess to them that you've never done this before but you you're totally confident that you can
0: yeah i also think there's a sort of there's that there's an experience level as well if you're paying a lot of money for a, a high-end object or thing that, that, that is of a high value then you maybe you're looking for someone with much more experience that's done a lot of things before but mm-hmm. then if the price points may be lower or you're going to a more independent or smaller designer then there's an expectation that there will be an element of learning within that mm-hmm. i think we've worked with d- designers before where you know that they're gonna have to learn on the job so in some respects you are paying to help them learn.
1: Yeah. And I think that also comes with sort of growing you and your work as you as you become more experienced. Obviously, what I charged at that time, now I've learned. I'm like, oh, crikey. That was, that was an absolute steal. But, you know, if I... It was great for me then, and it, and it allowed me to um, actually do something that was, you know, so much bigger than I'd done before. And without that project, I definitely wouldn't be able to get to where I am now. So, yeah, and it was... Um, they were also incredibly supportive and helpful as a agency that they um, you know I I did it all completely remotely so I was in Glasgow they were in London and it was just over emails and phone calls and sort of liaising and I think the key to the success of all of this is just having a really open dialogue with whoever you're working with and um, trying to keep that communication really open and So if there are any stumbling blocks, you can go to them and vice versa. And then you can work through any problems to find a solution. And I think that's what was successful about that was um, that um, we could work through these things and ultimately come up with something that I was happy with, they were happy with, and their end client was really happy with. And subsequently from that, I've kind of established a relationship with this um, architecture um, interior design agency that I've done subsequent work for them um since so yeah like a sort of dream dream project at the time um which was which was fantastic um so that was sort of 2010 11 and i also i think sort of maybe slightly before before that i did in um, the starter six program as well i don't know if you've come across that so it was a culture enterprise program um set up for sort of emerging makers um with a sort of mentoring scheme and ultimately and you could apply for funding and things so um it was it great in terms of sort of building another sort of um creative network for other people You've, you tend to find there's so many people now that you say oh I did start for Six. "Oh, I did start for six and well, it's, yeah, like it's funny you
0: say that because uh, last week's guests yeah uh, so I, I didn't East realize suburbs. yeah she well, did there you go sex as well, yeah
1: so, yeah. so it's, it's got this really nice sort of community behind it Um, and I think it was just a really good thing to do at that stage in my career because I could say well I've got you know, I think I know I've got um, potential to sort of build a business around this but I was trying to think how do I um, build upon what I've got and how to take it to the next level and things and um, so yeah I've just always sort of worked in that way that I'm sort of setting myself my own projects and kind of Building up a small sort of brand, I suppose, for my own work, um, but also being open to doing sort of larger scale commissions and sort of other projects that come along, um, I like that sort of flexibility in working. And I think that was something I always wanted to do. Um, but I think when you're a student at art school, I think it's hard to kind of um, say that to your tutors. I think our our degree was quite. Um, you knew you were either fashion or interiors, and both of those were quite commercial. And I think, I think it was hard for to kind of say, well, yeah, obviously it's got commercial potential. What I want to do, but I, I don't see it as you know being um, something that you produce in mass volume. I definitely want to produce more sort of one-off pieces. I want to sort of work with um, people to design things for specific spaces or specific end uses, sort of site specific things and I think that was quite hard to convince the tutors around that idea Um, I think that was hard to sort of illustrate how you were going to do that so when I left I was a bit lost, I didn't know how how I would fit into these things but um, I think if you've got an idea you just have to kind of slowly sort of plug away at it and hopefully, hopefully it'll come to be. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Mm. And so, uh, what point did the name come about?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, So, that actually happened um, during art school. I had a, um, there was a magazine that had lots of sort of arty bits in it, and there was a, a poster in it that had a little robot, and it said, you can't fail, fun makes good. And I had that on my studio wall, and it sort of just became a bit of a mantra. You know, if you're having fun, then ultimately it's good. Therefore, it can't be wrong so that was just always this sort of mindset that I'd had and I think it yeah it was I remember having a conversation with my flatmate at the time and I was like yeah I want to do my own stuff to do what should it be and I was like oh I don't I don't want to call my business or whatever it was going to be I didn't want to call after myself um I just didn't think it fitted um and I think sometimes it, it works for for people definitely but I don't think um, my name Eleanor Young is particularly inspiring in terms of like a sort of brand brand, and also you can hide behind something else um, and it's fun makes good had a nice sort of ring to it it sounds uh, joyful and it's slightly ambiguous as well and I think that meant I wasn't tying myself to something specific you know if I'd said Eleanor Young textiles then that kind of sticks you to uh, that. It
0: it sounds quite serious as well. It does, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: Yeah, which I don't think fits me or my style.
0: Yeah, that was my other question. It's like, how is that related to the the style and how would you describe the style that you have?
1: Hmm. Um, I would definitely say it's bold and bright and pattern-led. So, ultimately, there's sort of geometrics in there, but I am not... um, adverse to other things softer things but yeah it's always got you know pattern and color and you know the textile side uh, texture is very important in what i do as well like the, the fact that um i suppose I, i'm really interested in to sort of graphic shapes and design but I like there to be an element of relief and texture and I think that's where the background of the sort of embroidery and things come in. Something that is tactile that you can put your hands to and feel the different qualities of the material. So you might view it, you know, from far away as just quite a graphic sort of flat design but when you come up to it, there's a lot more depth to it. Um, so... And
0: do you think that's... So has your style developed over the last... or? last 10 years or do you feel like you're still in the same space or has that moved
1: i think it probably has i think it's probably become more refined and i think hopefully in some ways a bit more mature but also having said that looking back at my degree show there's still some pieces that i would happily put out now um i think i've just had um the ability to kind of you know tailor tailor designs and tailor work depending on the kind of client or the end end result and i think it's sort of learning where is appropriate to go completely wild or appropriate to kind of pair it back a little bit and i think that's where i'm lucky that then having this sort of um portfolio i suppose that i can i produce my own work under my own name um that i sell via my you know etsy shop and online um but then i also do work for um other People or institutions—it's definitely my style, but it's sort of within their maybe tying into their kind of um, brand aesthetics or something, or or certain colours that they use. So it's using my kind of um, signature style, but I can kind of tailor that depending on who the who the end client is and things.
0: Yeah, because you've done a lot of work in sort of interiors and those kind of collaborations, Mm -hmm. like the the gigantic set of curtains uh, in Edinburgh. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, that was, um, so again, that was with the same architect's um, soft room who approached me for the initial um, set of um, seating for a restaurant in London. So um, when they were opening up the Edinburgh one, um, they came back to me, which I was super excited about. And I had done another curtain for them previously, so this is something that was sort of fairly new to my repertoire um, curtains. But actually, it, I love it. It's it's such a, a great opportunity to you know work on such a large scale, and um, re, you know it's lovely working on little fine details and intricate things that I do at, um, for my own products. But to have the opportunity to do something on such a large scale and to kind of really um use the space and use the textiles and really show them off as, as such a nice um opportunity.
0: Because it's in, it's Oaxaca and yeah. Edinburgh. And they're sort yeah. of by the window as well, so you can sort of see them as you wander past. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's um again, it's so it's so nice um to be given these these opportunities. So basically the, the, they would come to me and say, well we've got the the space, this is what we're intending to do, and they've obviously got to the stage where they've designed all the interiors and they've kind of figured out you know, the materials are going to be used throughout and they might come to me and say, well, we'd quite like a, um, for this one, they say, we've got this back wall. We kind of want a wall hanging or a curtain, Um, it needs to be this sort of size. Um, Do you, can you come up with some ideas? So the process would be they'd come to me with that and they'd show me um, the interior illustrations and they'd maybe say if they've got key materials they want to use or if they've used colours, elsewhere throughout the restaurant you want to pick up these sort of key things Um, but other than that often uh, amazingly they have quite open briefs so they sort of say oh just you know to do the style that you know you you're used to sort of present some different things so from there i would you know drop a couple of different design options um
0: and is that like uh pencil and a sketchbook or is this in software or
1: yeah yeah definitely to start with um, a good old square paper draw up lots of different sort of different ideas little sketches and then I would sort of narrow them down and then Take those sketches. And is that
0: the squared paper because the geometric pattern element of it, or is that just because you like squared square paper? Uh, that's the... a good
1: question. That is probably a bit both. I think also <laughs> it happened to be the notebook that I have currently <laughs> lying around. But actually, I think I we'll take that forward. It's just nice. I think um, f- for these sort of things, it gives you uh, uh, an opportunity to create a sense of balance, or you can kind of. Um, so for this, I wanted to have a feeling of sort of cascading. Um, ticker tape or confetti, you know, sort of Mexican restaurant, it would have a sort of festival sort of vibe. Um, so with the square paper, I suppose it allowed me to kind of place things with a sort of random feel, but I could make sure the sort of scale would work for that kind of um, size of space. Um, so, yeah, I would drop various different options and then I suppose produce them in a document at that stage in Illustrator and sort of send it across so that you can see what... Um, what I'm, what I'm thinking sometimes I drop that into their um, interior illustrations as well so they could get a feeling of how it might look in the space and then there'd be a bit of back and forth and you know design tweaking and they'd send it to their clients and you know um, and then from there sort of develop something that I think will, will work and pick out the materials because that's always a really sort of key part as well um, so for that one they specified that they wanted to have a, a butte wool background which is great because I, I love butte wool it's it's a fantastic material, it's designed um, obviously on the uh, island of Butte. it's it's beautiful quality and it's designed exactly for that purpose and they've got amazing colours so from, from there um, that was the sort of background and then I sort of picked out other key colours that were in the space and using lots of velvets and leathers and things that would give warmth and a tactile quality and, you know, as the light bounced off the leather, it'd have a sheen and it, it would sort of just give it a little bit more um, depth to it.
0: And so how much consideration is there about the, the, the sort of sourcing of materials in your process? Are you very like conscious of, of trying to get things locally and ethically?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think why not? Especially here, we're so lucky um, in Scotland, there's some amazing Uh, manufacturers and as I say Butte is one of these companies that's just absolutely top of their game in terms of producing a quality product um the the range of colors and textures and it's it's so nice that it's produced so close by and you can go to the mill and you can kind of see people you know on hand producing it and you can have a tour and it would be crazy not to use it so it's lovely to be able to kind of um promote that and use them and, and, and subsequently I've sort of formed quite a nice relationship with them as well um, just just over the years and um, last year the year before they opened up a retail space on Rothsay so they converted a um, uh, they, they decided that actually they wanted to give something back to the community and they wanted to create a space that was not only just a retail shop for um visitors because the mill doesn't actually have a shop it's got a sort of a surplus um but they maybe do like a, a clearance every you know year or something when they sell end-of-line stock but they don't actually have a, a a showroom per se that show that sells sort of stock or products and um, so they wanted to have a space on the island that had that but they also wanted to create um a space that would have workshops and they could invite other artists and designers and makers over so then they could hold um so they've done you know sort of tote bag making or cushion making or upholstery or a whole jewelry a whole host of things that and um, they could give back to the islanders as well so it's actually um You know it's creating jobs but also sort of i think with these sort of small communities you kind of you need stuff for people to do um so i uh, approached them when they were opening and we collaborated to kind of make a range of products for the shop that used the mills offcuts and their um end of uh, like sample books sort of pieces from there so i could take the small sections and um, piece them together and I created a couple of designs that were actually based around the architecture of the Rothsay Pavilion, which I don't know if anybody knows, but it's an, it's an incredible sort of 20s, 30s building, um, which used to hold you know, tea dances and all sorts of you know, amazing events. It, it, sort of turned to a bit of a room but they've now uh, it's one of these sort of um lottery funded projects that they're sort of um redeveloping and turning around so it, it tied in nicely that that was happening so I, I designed these cushions that had a sort of geometric feel uh, based on the architecture and using the offcuts so it was a really nice um kind of relationship to kind of produce a product from the offcuts and um subsequently i've also ended up painting their their front doors of their studio, uh, of the shop studio as well, Um, which is another sort of sideline project that I've done. (laughs) Many strings to my bow. Um, But I think that's that's another thing about the fun makes good is that um, it allows me to do these different things and I don't have to just sort of stick to one thing and say, oh, I'm textiles, it's just what I do. I'm interested in so many other areas of design.
0: So if someone Um, asks you what you do, how would you describe yourself? I
1: would say I was a textile designer. <laughs> I would say that. Um but I think it's nice to then if they looked at my sort of website and portfolio, there's a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. Um before we go on to another project, I just want to mm. go with, like through that process yes. um of the curtains. Um so you you've picked the fabrics um and then you bring them back to your workshop, your mm-hmm. studio. So what mm-hmm. what does that look like? Where is that? Is um, a-
1: it is a home studio. Um, so I actually moved to Perthshire in 2013. Um, it was uh, my husband and I both worked for ourselves and it was this sort of been living and working in Glasgow and it's come to the point where we were sort of doing work elsewhere. We decided that actually um, now is the time to kind of take this leap of faith and kind of... Um, Move out to the country, so that's what we've done. With the with the view that we were going to have um, studios in the country and uh, work remotely, uh, which is which is great. And that that was the point where I went full time. So um, that was a big sort of leap of faith. But actually, going full time, fun makes good. Um, and moving here all coincided with sort of these bigger projects, and actually, um, the sort of freedom to kind of take on things like this and. Um, push myself a little bit more i think you have to when you when you decide to go full full full-time self-employed you you have to kind of step step up your game and kind of either um seek out bigger projects or kind of um yeah push yourself to kind of get to get to the stage you want to so yeah my studio is um a spare room it's not particularly glamorous but um i have aspirations for (laughs) more glamorous (laughs) downline. but it it suits my my purpose for the meantime and and it's amazing what you can um achieve in, in a space that if you sort of organize it well enough or um yeah you can um i think it, people are quite surprised so the the oaxaca curtain was six meters by six meters and i think it was five individual panels uh, full width rolls of fabric um so i made each piece um each single panel at a time um all the the pattern was appliqued um so that is whereby you've got the background um fabric and then the the shapes are placed on top and they're all stitched in place, um, and that was all machine stitched. Um, but these these pieces are huge, and it was only when it was hung in the actual space I got to see the whole design as a one whole piece because I'd been building it in sections. So it was quite quite a tricky thing to um, make sure that the the pattern filled the the curtain in the way that I wanted to, but also you know as you scale things up you know the gaps you know if you've got a tiny little illustrator drawing um by the time you scale up to that size you might find actually the gaps between the shapes are much bigger so you have to be quite flexible to kind of say oh actually i need to fill in that space with another shape so although you know there is a sort of the design is fixed to a certain point when i actually start the making process you know things do change a little bit and you can add things in and i think because it is a it you know it's a one-off piece it's not um set in stone and you know you can alter it, and you can sort of change things, and that's partly why I really enjoy the hands-on making. Like, and I still really enjoy that because it's 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 a whole part of the the design process. It's, it doesn't um, finish, you know, when you've finished the design. You you're still altering it and still changing it and making decisions whilst you're making it. Um, so for me i really enjoy the making process as much as i enjoy the design process as well um so i, I still as much as i can make everything myself so yeah <laughs> so it, sometimes i just have to you know for something like that i had to move into the living room and sort of move all the furniture aside and i'm probably giving away too much but um <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's amazing what you can do in the space
0: mm. um so I mean one of the other projects I really want to talk about is the the hospital interior mm. project because I think it's a it's a fascinating space to sort of bring to life because I think I mean majority of people will have spent time in hospitals and mm-hmm. understand the, the sort of aesthetic the standard aesthetic that you expect when you go into that sort of environment and I mean there's a lot of good reasons why they exist in that that way but s- I'm intrigued to find out how you went about, how the project came about and Mm -hmm. how you went about designing and redesigning the the hospital space.
1: Yeah, it was um, a really wonderful project. Basically, I think it's one of these things in the back of my mind, I'd always thought, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to kind of work for a space like that where um, people are coming into it every day and, you know, often these are so clinical and so... Often depressive, um, and they they shouldn't be like that. And you know when you, when you see things done well. Um, so uh, I think I was sort of brought to my attention. Um, Morag Meerskoff, designer, had worked with Sheffield's Children's Hospital um, a year or two ago, and she'd they'd opened up a huge new wing, and she designed this most amazing. Um, new wing for the children that was very much in her, if you don't know her, it was incredible sort of bold, bright geometric style and um, she'd uh, brought the rooms to life with these sort of panelling that was um, all the sort of different colours and they had different um, levels of, of colour and pattern depending on the age groups of the children. Anyway, um, it just made me think, wow, these hospital spaces don't need to be you know, the way we normally see them with horrible sort of white clean vinyl and nasty sort of just bland interiors Um, so I always would have loved to have done a project like that but it it came about because I happened to I went to Sheffield to the Hepworth Wakefield they did a Christmas market Um, so I went there to sell my wares at the Christmas market and one of the arts coordinators was there just as a um, just as a Christmas punter I suppose and she saw my cushions and she sort of approached me and sort of said oh these are great you know Uh, I work at a children's hospital charity do you think you could make these out of you know like a vinyl or something and I was like yeah I'm pretty sure I could I can't see why not and she's like yeah yeah well we often work with commission artists and designers to to do some stuff and she's like oh we've got these horrible sofas it would be so nice to do something okay well I'll take your details Um, and I thought oh great brilliant and I always have this annoying habit of not taking other people's details I don't know if other people do this but you kick yourself and you think I bet there's so many occasions where people don't then get back in touch with you and you, you've you lost that sort of connection to yeah, get I, in touch with them.
0: I think it's very much, especially like running your own creative business or, or being a freelancer or working for yourself, it's kind of like you need to get yourself to the front of people's minds mm-hmm. when they have that decision to make, when they go, oh, I need someone for that. And yeah. then you need to be the first person that pops into their head. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's doing that. And then if it's, if that doesn't happen naturally, then if you have the details you can then push yourself to the front of their head if you yeah. like, so I just send them a little reminder or an update or something like that. Exactly,
1: yeah, yeah that is something you definitely need to um, remember to do. Um, but luckily um, she got in touch and so from there the, the initial idea was that they had this, this room with these horrible sofas and they wanted some cushions made, but I think subsequently um, there was a new ward that was being built and they had some basically internal glazing um, with these sort of window boxed window sections. And they were all coloured. There was an orange one, a green one, and a blue one and a pink one. And I think they'd identified that these had potential to be interesting spaces. They weren't necessarily designed like that, but because of the way they were and in the corridor, they actually became a natural place where people wanted to sit and have a little sort of private space. Um, so they commissioned me to design and make some large... Um, geometric sort of uh, window seat cushions essentially. Um, so the interior space overlooks um, central uh, waiting area and there's a, a central tower in the middle with really bold geometric um, windows in that and they called that the play tower. So that was my initial starting point for the kind of inspiration for the designs. I thought, well, this is a children's hospital play tower. I wanted to look at um, children's sort of toy blocks building blocks and um, things like that sort of geometric shapes arcs i mean it all tied into my sort of aesthetic already but um and then using the key colors that were used throughout the hospital in these sort of zones i then um created uh, four different designs that um had interlocking shapes um made out of vinyl and um, it was all patchwork together and then these sat into the window boxes and um yeah, it was it was a really really lovely project, um, and then from there, they then approached me to say, well, they've they've got a, a parents' room. So it was in the ICU ward, and essentially it was a sort of a private space for parents um, of children who were in the ward on a daily basis to go to have a bit of downtime, to make themselves a cup of tea, this kind of thing. But it was the usual sort of white space really awful sort of art prints that were just sort of hung in random places you know notices sort of stuck to the wall in various odd spots and like nasty bits of furniture and these incredibly dominating sofas which they said they couldn't do anything about they had to stay but was there any way that i could come up with something to sort of soften that whole um setup and i think um again they'd seen my work they'd sort of seen the style so they'd already kind of decided that they wanted something quite vibrant quite poppy um so and i think they'd they'd then shown it to um not only the obviously the board but the um staff as well so i think the staff had quite a bit of input in saying what the kind of thing they wanted so they'd maybe picked out some areas that they said oh we'd like some things on the wall we'd like some like soft furnishings, maybe you could try and do something with the kitchen area. Um, so I, I was sort of given this blank blank canvas-ish of this room um, where they asked me to sort of design a concept to sort of change this whole space. And it was really, a really, really lovely experience to be able to do that. So again, I kind of... Um, built on the sort of things that they'd picked out from my work previously, I think they'd actually seen some of the doors that I'd painted so they, they liked that sort of style, lots of intersecting lines and you geometric. Another
0: weird link to last week's podcast, yes. you painted the door at Tabury Gallery yes. as well right? yes.
1: Yeah, I know, it's so funny So um, <laughs> um, when I moved to um, Perthshire um, they were Gillian Eason had been invited to kind of set up Perthshire crates uh, trying to create a sort of central hub I suppose, well, it was like a website um, network for sort of creative practitioners in the sort of Perthshire area and they had a launch night um, this is a lovely tangent but I th- it probably all links background, but but um, so uh, they had speakers for the night and Katie Guthrie was one of the speakers at that so um, Katie did a, an amazing presentation just about her and her work and I'd never met Katie before but I remember just being like I love the sound of what she does and she just seems so approachable. And um, and also I think because I'd moved to the area, I didn't know anybody, didn't have any friends. I was like, oh, I see a potential friend in this in this woman. <laughs> <laughs> I'll approach her afterwards. Um, so I did. And so we sort of developed a friendship um, after that. And it's been really nice uh, to kind of build on that and sort of do little collaborations um, here and there. So the doors were something that um, Katie um, has a sort of street art background and fine art background. And w- although we don't sort of do um, ultimately similar end, end products, as it were, we've got a shared, you know, um, shared love for colour and pattern and fun. And um, so we thought, hey, it'd be great to sort of collaborate on something. So she approached the tabury, um to to paint their doors and our idea was that we were going to then paint other doors around Perth and we we're going to invite other artists and you know very much like the open close uh, Dundee which um, funnily enough came about after we'd sort of talked about it and things so it's really nice to see that the open close Dundee has actually grown into this whole massive thing on its own and we'd one day like to replicate that in Perth but um, so we'd we'd done some work together and the Sheffield had seen that sort of aesthetic and style and wanted to um me to sort of build on that so the room itself has um murals that we ended up I ended up painting um that are really strong graphic um intersecting shapes and a really Color palette that would l- help lift this um, essentially the sofa that sort of dominated the space, and we also I also created art prints that built on those patterns, and I created a whole series of um, cushions and poofs and things that would help soften the space and make it feel a lot more homely, and I also extended the the pattern over the walls onto the onto vinyl treatments for the sort of kitchen area, and then we worked with the um, the coordinators the um the arts coordinators were incredible they they were both um had such a i think it really helps when people really understand design and that it's just, it's not just um it's just the little things as well so they were they were really keen to you know make sure everything tied in together so we even changed the door handles on the cupboards and you know they were like oh well, actually now we should change the the pots that the coffee come in and the, the tea bags because, you know, it's all they just wanted to, people to have a space that felt really, really considered. And there was so much for the children and what they've done for the children in the wards is incredible, but I think it was lovely to so then give it back to the parents as well. Um, one thing that was difficult was because we had to go, da- go down. We did it over three days. The room needed to be in use, so I think a lot of the parents were a bit like, what are you doing? <laughs> can we not go in here? But... Um, when i was there it was lovely there were lots of um, parents who would come in and just sort of keep their head in the door and have a look and say oh this is this is great we're so excited to have a space that we can go in and use and yeah it was it was lovely
0: yeah and the outcome is is amazing i mean it's complete complete contrast of what you would imagine and what people know of like as a hospital a traditional hospital space yeah. um, and it's kind of like there is the potential um, for any space Absolutely. but then it's, it's having I think it's having those stars aligned where there's there's budget to make those things mm-hmm. happen there's the desire to make them happen yeah. and again it's the right people with the right considerations like that real desire to, to actually make it happen.
1: Absolutely yeah and I think um, I, I don't know what, what comes first in that situation but I think um, so Sheffield Children's Hospital has a charity called Art, um, Arts, Artfelt and that that's their main ambition really is to bring um, the spaces to life through art and they, if you don't know them you should look them up they've done incredible things and they've commissioned some amazing artists and designers the, like, the stuff that they've done and I, I wonder I don't know if it's just a, a coincidence but there does seem to be a bit of a change in attitude like I think there are more hospitals and more arts organisations establishing themselves within hospitals or as part of them to do more of this?
0: I vaguely remember a Petra Kucha about a resident uh-huh. artist in Aberdeen mm-hmm. uh, hospital up there, but that's uh-huh. the only ones I've really...
1: yeah had, Not that I've looked into it a lot. No, but, no, yeah. but I think once you, you do it, I've come across another designer um, I know who's doing something in Stirling currently at the moment and I know there's um, there's another children's hospital getting built in Edinburgh, so I think people are are now seeing the importance of integrating it as part of the the actual building design that it's not seen as like an afterthought Um, that it should be integral to the whole sort of process that interiors and how people um, use them is is just as important as the outside aesthetic and um, now I've had that experience and um, you can't (laughs) <laughs> you can't now not go into a space and go. Oh, do you know this actually could be done so much better? <laughs> um, so it's made me sort of become more aware of it. And actually, uh, I I've very lucky. I've not had a huge amount of um, sort of interaction with hospital spaces. But when my son was born, I was back in. He was actually born in Dundee, and we were in the neonatal ward. And I was thinking, gosh, this parents' room is quite sad. This could really do with with something. And now having seen um, how it can be done and how it can be done well. Um, it's an area that I'd love to love to build on and do a little bit more of because um, you feel like you're really giving it back and having that experience of being in one of these rooms when when it's a, a nice environment. It does make a massive difference to you. Um, so we shall see.
0: <laughs> you seem to have... There's, there's lots of different facets to what you do and I think mm. you, you talk about the interior stuff. It's obviously developed over time going mm-hmm. from maybe one piece in a room to actually... Yeah. Let's take over the whole room and, yeah. and do everything in there, which is great. And I think there's a lot of parallels with other people that we've had on the podcast. They talk about the ways that they've sort of collaborated mm-hmm. and worked with other people to then develop new skills and, yeah. and move into other areas and be able to offer their clients much more.
1: Yeah.
0: And especially when you're talking about that from a like a, an overall design perspective, like getting a brief that really goes to the heart of the problem that's there and not just saying let's just put a cushion on that sofa and make it feel better. Yeah. Sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, which design can often be seen as as that sort of frivolous thing on the top whereas actually it's more of a considered process that should start right at the heart of it with the people who are using the space yeah which I think that the the, um, Sheffield project's a really beautiful example of of that working really well Um, but to move to a a Dundee based project um, not too long ago you did a collaboration with with the DCA yes so yeah do you want to talk about how that collaboration came Mm -hmm. about and what obviously you designed a range. So how did you decide what what went into that?
1: So I had always liked the DCA and I'd always hoped I would be able to sell my stuff in their shop at some stage. So um, I approached them and... um, Lewis came back to me and I, I think I actually went in and I just happened to, he was in the day and we had a bit of a chat and I showed him the kind of things that I was doing and I mentioned, oh, I'm, you know, I'm always interested in doing collaborations and um, I think because it's fun for me, um, I like sort of working to a brief and I kind of like testing myself but ultimately um, it sort of allows whoever it is to to be able to offer their um their end, you know, client or end user, something unique. So it seemed to make sense to be able to sort of say, instead just sticking my products in the DCA shop, it'd be nice to talk about the possibility of doing something specific to the DCA. And I had previously um, designed a range for the Barbican Centre in London, and I saw there was sort of parallels in the fact that it was a sort of arts, cultural venue with an interesting... um, within a, an interesting um, building itself and architecture is often one of my sort of starting points as a sort of um, inspiration reference and sort of taking shapes from the building or taking sort of textual references and things like that and I can see there was you know we could do a lot with the DC and have quite a bit of fun with it and um, Lewis was really really open to the idea and I think it timed quite well often these things happen like that it's just a case of just being at the right place at the right time and just a bit of right timing um, that they sort of said, oh, yeah, we've been thinking about designing or having um, pieces designed for us, so this would work out really well. Um, so, it, again, it was a lovely project. It was just a really, really open dialogue that we sort of sat down and we kind of looked at the kind of products that I had produced previously, and then they also looked at maybe where there was gaps um, within the shop and stuff that we'd like to develop. And between the two of us, we worked out sort of what was realistic in terms of... Um, things that i i could produce with um by hand myself or if i would have to sort of find new manufacturers or a way to produce these things and so between the two of us we sort of built this sort of core collection um and they it was really helpful for me because they they already had a strong idea of kind of the range but also the price points and so that then gave me a starting point to work back to think about okay well what can i what can i design what we can make that would be affordable and it would um be affordable for me and also something that we could um, apply whatever the design was across uh, the range so I I, I like um, working in this way that you can have a sort of overall design look or design feel but there might be some motifs that you can use in different ways across different products. Um, I think sometimes that's that's what makes a range interesting um, so we produced um, tote bags, uh, screen printed tote bags and uh, notebooks and, um, coasters and, oh, lots of lovely things, <laughs> <laughs> pencil cases, digitally printed fabric pencil cases. Um, and it was a really nice project. Um, so I, I went around the building, I took photographs, I looked at, they, they wanted to have, um, the sort of indicative branding of the DCA, so the, the strong red that they used and the strong sort of turquoise. So it was really nice. They actually produced a lovely document for me saying, these are the colours we want to use, this is how we want to use things. But they were open to maybe having the lettering a bit fractured. or So they were quite um, responsive to this, the ideas I had as well. And from that, I sort of uh, developed... Um, uh, it's like a three, four colour colorway design that we've used across the different different products that have references to the building or or the lettering of the DCA.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a really nice product range and it's something I've not, in my experience, I've not seen the DCA do that before. And mm-hmm. um, Do you think it's something that they will then go on to develop with other designers? Players,
1: I hope so. It was something that we talked at the time. It was like, you know, it's one of these meetings where you come away just being so excited and buzzing because Lewis had so many ideas and we were sort of talking, well, this could be the core range and then later on you could bring a limited edition range out and they were like, all oh, there's potential to work with the, the print studio and, you know, they had so many ideas buzzing around, um, which is great. So, I I hope they they were sort of seeing it as a sort of long-term thing that they could add to or take away from or, you know, sort of develop like that. So I'm hoping that there would be an opportunity to do something again or they might, you know, go to other people and build on that. Yeah,
0: because it'd be really nice to see the cultural organisations commissioning more work and Mm -hmm. they they do already do that... um, Another McManus, uh, yeah. based upon inspired on their collections, just mm-hmm. a whole record that they then released. Yes, um, and then the V&A have obviously commissioned a few pieces for their shop, mm-hmm. things like that. But it'd be great to see see more of that.
1: And uh, I think happening. it's it's happening more. We talked briefly about um, actually, it's it's a sort of growing sector, and I think a lot more people are kind of. Uh, who are seeing these retail spaces as an opportunity to do something really unusual and exciting. And I think also there's so many amazing makers on your doorstep that it seems crazy to buy from a museum's catalogue. Like I remember going to I can't remember if it was Copenhagen or something and going into the, one of the gift shops and they had stuff that was that was said Glasgow, Riverside Museum. And you just think, What this is this is nuts, you know, you're you're one of these design capitals. Why don't you have, you know, bespoke pieces created and i think uh, obviously it's it's just a a mindset and i think maybe it's it's next generation of having different sort of people in these retail spaces that are now sort of looking at it's not just a case of buying from a catalogue actually let's use the people who are around let's get people who can respond to the collections and design something off the back of that because i think that's a really nice thing um that you know they've got if they've got a particular exhibition on they can find artists or makers that would be able to respond to that and then create something. So it just extends the whole sort of culture experience for visitors. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, especially with the, the sort of boost in the tourism market here, I mean, people are coming and looking for that that thing they won't get anywhere else. Yeah. The thing that's unique to Dundee and um, that they can take home and that, that feels special.
1: Yeah, and yeah. And I think that's it. They, they, You know, you don't, they are different spaces. They aren't a high street retail shop, so they should sort of approach it differently um, so yeah it was lovely to be able to work for the DCA to create something like that unique to them and, and it was one of it, it sounds I, I love working on big scale and on big projects but also working on something that's really tight and really sort of I mean the, the products themselves were quite small I suppose um, and it was lovely to be able to to do both you know they they had quite a lot of pattern going on in them, but um, it was really it was really really nice to create some of these things and products that I'd never done before and and actually pushing myself as well. Like um, it, it, the tote bag is probably one of my favourite things. It's only two colours. I I don't often work in two colours at all, so it was actually um, quite a, a challenge for me in a way. Um, and so it it's it's good to take on projects like that that push you in different directions. Yeah.
0: So, what, what does the future look like for you? What excites you about future?
1: I think there's lots of exciting things coming up. I think, it, it. I found moving from Glasgow to Perth was like a really good thing for me. It, it's one of these, like, Glasgow already had quite a, obviously, a very well-established sort of arts and design scene and, you know, I'd come out of the art school there and knew quite a lot of people in the creative community and I'd done lots of things but it was quite interesting moving to somewhere like perth where i knew nobody um i didn't really know what was going on and it kind of pushed me to kind of um seek out opportunities um so and i found it really beneficial because it's you know allowed me to sort of collaborate with people like katie which i wouldn't have imagined several years ago that would have done and from that we've done the doors together and then um after she did the podcast with you we were talking we were just painting some doors and then from there um Herself, myself, and my husband, um, Hamish, who's a lighting designer, sort of urban realm designer. We were we'd had conversations with the council before, and we'd um, sort of commissioned to kind of do a series of. Um, they were supposed to be very temporary, very fun um, uh, art pieces in the Vennels. Mm. So this was all in the sort of lead up to the city of culture that um, they wanted kind of things over it was an Easter weekend so the three of us got together and identified some of these venal spaces and we worked with um, the sort of history of the, the Vennels and the, the names. So it was like um, Baxter's Vennel. We we, t- we covered in bakery puns because um, it was the idea of the, the bakers. And we guard Vennel. We covered in lots of geometric shapes. And we actually, in cow Vennel, that's where they drove all the, the cattle, we um, did a sort of um, bit of guerrilla gardening. We had... Um, uh, astroturf that we lined um, some of the fencing with and planted up little flowers and had um, brightly coloured hooves prints on the ground and things I thought, you know, really fun silly stuff um, so uh, moving here has allowed me to do a whole host of unusual projects and I think I, I don't know if other people find it, that it kind of pushes yourself to kind of find avenues to do new things Um and so I'm excited. Although Perth didn't get City of Culture, I think it's um, boosted them in terms of thinking about who who's around and, and areas that they could sort of bring art into the kind of um, public eye and things. So I wouldn't have imagined that I'd have been sitting in sort of council offices having um, chats about sort of street art and uh, projects like that but um, yeah, things have come about and it's it's been really, really fun so there's, I'm hopeful that there are other things that are going to come out from the back of that um, that although they were unsuccessful in the bid that there's um, it sort of kick-started a little f- flash of inspiration and I think they're hoping to do, do more and I think looking at the success of other cities and what they do, you know, like Aberdeen the Spectral Light Festival and, you know all cities feel that they need to have their own sort of signature thing or event or what it is that's special about them and I think Perth has got a lot of potential and I think it's nice um, we've we've kind of got ourselves in the position where um, they know who we are and I think we're kind of um, myself and Hamish and Katie and other people We're in this sort of it's nice to sort of collaborate and pull our strengths together and kind of um, come together and pitch ideas and and sort of talk about weeds so we can sort of do unusual exciting things so i'm I'm hopeful uh that things will will happen down the line
0: (laughs) um before we finish up um is there anything that you've been listening to reading watching recently that you would recommend
1: i um have come across i don't know if you know the boring talks so it's a series of. I think I've heard of it, but yeah, they're just nice little short um, podcasts. Maybe some of them are only ten minutes long, some are fifty minutes long, and they're just people talking about different subjects. Um, so I don't know. Uh, as a the new mum, lots of late nights, <laughs> up regularly, little short snippets that you can listen to. So um, anything from sort of Dutch paintings to roads that go nowhere to. Um, Uh, shapes of cornflakes there's (laughs) there's a lot of fun things to listen to Um, so I've been enjoying those Uh, not totally highbrow but sometimes it's nice to listen to other stuff
0: (laughs) Um, So if anyone wants to get in touch with you, see your work Mm -hmm. uh, where do they find you?
1: Um, I have a website It's um, funmakesgood.co.uk um and you can see all my sort of past projects on there from anything from um my tableware to upholstery to um large scale commissions, interiors and hospital works and painted doors and everything. But also I think what everything that ties it together is very sort of pattern based, very bold, very bright, um and uh a bit of fun, I think. And um there's a link there to my shop. I've got an Etsy shop that you can buy pieces. Um, but you can also commission me as well. So you can get in touch if you have, you know, for example, a chair or you know something that you want recovered. I can design upholstery and do that as well. Um, and I've got an Instagram that's fun makes good as well, which I update from as much as I can. So yeah, you can find me there.
0: That's good. Thank you very
1: much. Not at all. Thank you.
0: That was Eleanor. I'm sure you'll want to go and check out projects that we talked about. So, all the links to them are in the show notes. Um, Yeah. And I think that's it for this week. Um, Yeah. Thanks to Eleanor for coming on and doing the podcast. Yeah. I'm just give the podcast a follow. If you don't already, it's the best way to keep up to date with everything that's going on. So it's at CCC Dundee on Twitter and on Instagram, facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash CCC Dundee, And you can get it on Spotify, you can get it on iTunes, you can get it on all good podcasting platforms and through your smart speakers. This, get, this bit gets longer and longer every week. Um, yeah, maybe I should just pre-record it and just press play at that bit. But anyway. Until next week. Goodbye.